Welcome to Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos. I'm an engineer and I work in Silicon Valley. I am originally from Caracas, Venezuela, and I've been calling the U.S. home for the last 20 years. When it comes to Latinos in the U.S., we are 60 million people, but we're only 3% of the workers in science or engineering. As a professional in Silicon Valley, I've had the opportunity to meet some remarkable professionals that work in the tech industry, Latinos like me. With this podcast, I want to bring you a collection of their stories and how they got a job in tech in the first place. And if they had to start all over again, what would they do differently? I want to share with you career advice on how to get a job in tech, how to deal with imposter syndrome, how to find your tribe when you're the only one in the room. This is Latinos Who Tech. This episode of Latinos Who Tech is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the world's premium platform for audiobooks with over 150,000 titles. If you're like me, you're passionate about learning new things, but finding the time to read may be difficult. Audiobooks are a great alternative. You can get a free 30-day trial plus a free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash latinos. Go and support them since they support us. Thank you. So, Brianne, welcome to Latinos Who Tech. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So, tell me your story. Oh, wow. Where to even start? Um, I guess for me, I grew up uh, by a single mom, the oldest of three kids. Um, and I feel like that really shaped me. I'm, I'm super grateful to be fourth generation Tejana. Um, so, to be raised with, um, you know, my own independence, to like live your own life, do your own thing. I'm so grateful my mom has said, you know, go as far as you can, dream big, you know, I'll live vicariously through you and support you in any way I can. Um, and so it's very, I want to say kind of the opposite of how we hear the story of most women are, you know, taught to be calm and quiet and collected. And my mom was like, go out and play in the rain and get dirty. And <laughs> um, I'm super grateful for having such a wise woman raise me uh, to be so strong and independent and to be raised and to dream big. Uh, I know when I was growing up and like any little kid, they say, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would say, well, I really want to help people. You know, like, I, I want to be a doctor. And, you know, but I was I've been singing since I was three. So I, I just I want to entertain people and I want people to feel like loved and heard and seen. Uh, but like I love pictures and I love that you can capture moments, you know, and I would love to be a photographer, but I really want to be a teacher. You know, I love learning and I'm obsessed. And so even again, growing up, both my mom and grandma, and, you know, I called her my momo, you know, would sit me down at the kitchen table and say, well, you can actually, you know, go to school to be a doctor because that's the highest degree you need. Um, spend time doing that, you know, invest in yourself. But, you know, you'd be a doctor from Monday through Friday and then you can be a singer on the weekends, right? Friday night, do mm -hmm. gigs uh, on the weekends at your home. But whenever you're traveling around the world, helping people, you can teach them about the cultures, take pictures of where you're at. So they kind of just helped me understand that, you know, you're only limited by what your own beliefs are. Um, and so I just always thought like anything is possible. Um, and so in turn, uh, it with, as my life continued to evolve, I continued to keep pushing myself and challenging. And I would notice that I obviously would score high in math and science. And it was those two fields that really just challenged me, whereas I loved writing stories. Um, I love being creative, but that stuff kind of came easy to me. So I mean, math and science, it was just something that I had to climb that mountain to achieve. And that sense of accomplishment when I finally got that problem uh, really meant a lot to me. And so as I continued on, um, like I said, I've been singing on stage since I was three. So when I chose a, a path to go in high school, I took a hand instrument drafting class. 
absolutely fell in love. I can't draw stick people to save my life, but I could <laughs> draw a three-dimensional isometric view of something, uh, which just kind of blew me away. Um, so after that, I kind of just started asking more questions. You know, what what can I do to do this? How, you know, how does this relate to like any kind of career choice? Um, and my hand instrument drafting teacher uh, had ended up telling me, yeah, engineering, you know, is, is really on path. I was really obsessed with cars and engines, just so curious about how things worked, levers, pulleys, gears, I'll go crazy for it all. Um, to where then I, I started, you know, pursuing mechanical engineering um, at, you know, ended up having to go to college. I went a thousand miles away from home, got put on academic probation. Um, mm. And but even that, like, had done a lot of internships. So I'm a very hands-on learner. Um, you know, conceptual learning was very difficult for me. And so I knew like I wasn't going to get straight A's in college. And so I continued to pursue more internships and co-ops. And so by the time I graduated, I had already about three, three and a half years of experience um, in different industries. Uh, but I was really drawn to manufacturing, how things were made, the process improvement, uh, manufacturing, engineering, industrial engineering, and uh, ended up kind of finding my way through, again, different avenues, uh, essentially creating my own rotational program for an international aerospace company, got laid off, started my own consulting firm, um, then went into automotive manufacturing, um, and then, you know, kind of found that transition of doing exactly what I love to do between kind of the idea and concept of new industry, new technology um, implementation to actually assembly lines um, and what that looks like. So now I'm doing it full time for a nonprofit. Um, against essentially how do we train people, what's the ideas, and then how do we actually get that um, down to the local grassroots level. So again, like my passion for people and processes and really challenging myself has continued to be uh, consistent throughout my entire life. And not for any non-for-profit, uh, mm -hmm. for Shep, which uh, yes, for uh, sure. uh, Absolutely. the two people that listen to this are well acquainted with Shep and, <laughs> <laughs> and how much uh, I am, you know, and I think that the uh, all the lifetime members uh, like us, we are the, the chef cheerleaders, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, you know, every time that I meet somebody that happens to be Hispanic, Latino, whatever you want to call it, at work, and they mention that, oh, yeah, what is this chef thing or this ASHPE thing? Oh, okay, I need to buy you a cup of coffee. Come in. Yes. <laughs> how, exactly. how much time do you have? <laughs> okay, yeah, I tell people it's the best kept secret. You know, I, I wish I would have known about it sooner. Ditto. You know, uh, that, that's, that's awesome. Man. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And um, so, wait, so you did mechanical in school? Yes. And that's why I said if I would have known what manufacturing or industrial engineering was, I wouldn't have had to torture myself with, you know, heat transfer and thermal system design. <laughs> mm. But but I made it through a long and turmoil path, but I made it. That's awesome. Yeah. And again, you know, once you're an engineer, you know, like nobody can take that away from you. You know, yeah, so exactly. It's, uh, that way of thinking analytically and, uh, uh, you know, running, running towards the problems instead of away from them. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, uh, I think that's, that's pretty unique. Uh, so, yes, uh, very much so. Even just that and, systematic way of thinking. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, and again, it can be something as simple as, uh, oh, okay, I got to do my laundry. And you would try to figure out, like, uh, okay, how can I minimize the number of trips down to the... <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's really cool. <laughs> and, um, and I wanted to bring you in because uh, there's this idea of being an ally. And, uh, you know, again, you know, we, we know that mentoring is important. Also, having a mentee, being a sponsor for people. But there's this idea of being an ally. And uh, ultimately, I think that 
a lot of people, and I'll include myself, is that we hear this word ally being thrown around at our workplace that, oh, yeah, we need to be better allies for, you know, uh, underrepresented minorities, in, especially in STEM. You know, so we're talking about women, people of color, uh, you know, LGBTQ people, so what mm-hmm. have you. So I want to explore this idea of, you know, as a, as a man, as a guy, you know, it's like, how can I be a better ally to those women around me? in mm-hmm. tech uh, because, um, and again, full disclosure, I was actually invited to do a workshop for the Sheptina conference. And uh, in the beginning, the workshop was pretty straightforward. It's about work-life balance, how to say no. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much say no to people every day, um, including myself, right. you know, and, uh, oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't take that project. I don't have more time to. So, so, so that was really easy, you know? So right. I originally, I wanted to do this podcast with a couple of friends from, from Chef that are also Lifetime members like us. And, uh, and in the end, they switched the topic on me. So they asked me, okay, we will come in and help us do a worship on how can men be better allies for women. Mm-hmm. So I talked with my two friends who happened to be men and I scratched that because again, it was going to be an echo chamber. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If it's uh, three guys talking about how to be better allies again. Uh, yep. So, you know, let me bring my favorite manufacturing engineer and ask her uh, <laughs> again, you know, how do I ally? And and I'm using ally here as a verb, you know, because I see it as a way of uh, uh, something that I do every day in every relationship I have, you know, whether I'm talking to my mentee that happens to be a woman or I'm talking to my coworker, my teammate. Uh, so again, you know, how do I ally? You know, what's an ally anyway? Yeah, that's. I think that's a really good question. Um, and I applaud you even for your conscientiousness to, like you said, kind of acknowledge that. I think a lot of times we get, um, you know, excited to share. We want to share. And, you know, our hearts are in the right place. Um, and so even that, you know, as you know, again, building a platform, having a podcast, there's a lot that we can say and do. Um, but to put forth an effort to actually have a different um, way of understanding um, so first and foremost, to me, an ally is simply like coming from a place of listening um, before you speak, because I think we all are excited again, and it's all well-intentioned. Um, but if we're the first to speak, we're, um, it's kind of the saying, right, that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. You know, we should listen twice as much as we talk. Um, and so that's the kind of thing where um, being an ally is simply first and foremost to me, like listening, coming from a place of empathy you know, is, is we're all humans, but we have very different experiences. Um, so you were mentioning some, you know, uh, whether you're a minority or LGBTQ plus, or, you know, you identify as something different, um, just all together, you know, and, and so whether your experience is something similar, or you fall into a similar box of someone, um, you know, you, you may not even have the same outlook or how you even got to that reasoning of a result, even if you do both have, you know, similar values or interests or, again, outcomes of whatever that looks like. Um, and so for me, you know, I created this whole um, personal brand about being a people engineer simply because I felt like people weren't being seen or heard um, as human beings. Again, we all have kind of the same needs or wants about being wanting to be heard or seen or acknowledged. And uh, people just really weren't slowing down to take the time to hear each other out um, or even to take the time to say like, hey, I want to understand you better. You know, I don't agree with you, but that doesn't mean, uh, you know, that you're not important or your ideas, you know, uh, matter to me. And so simply just taking that time to be considerate, to be conscious 
of the differences, you know, and I know you and I, again, are both very passionate about the DNI space, um, you know, diversity, yeah. inclusion, as well as equity. And so it's one thing for us to say like, hey, you know, I'm different. I'm a minority. Um, but to understand like, hey, just because we are different, like there's differences between us all. <laughs> um, so how do we come Indeed. from a space of, of understanding? And everyone wants a sense of belonging, um, but right. there's a difference between belonging and fitting in. And I feel like, especially, and again, in the tech world and the you know STEM fields, we're growing so fast and so rapidly um, that it's you know the new iteration. We're being very agile, which is great, but a lot of times is that system or that process foundation isn't layered or isn't constructed yet to have that sense of well, what's right, what's wrong. Um, am I being, like you said, an active ally or, you know, what am I doing wrong or right? Like we're still learning. Um, and so I think even just being open to that conversation and understanding, again, first and foremost, to come from a place of listening and understanding is really important. Um, I guess to me, the second part would then be even like a to be aware of your own personal biases, your own personal mm, yeah, experiences. No, that's huge, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, even like the belief systems that you have, um, you know, of I say Tejana and like, what does that come to mind? Um, you know, or even like the stereotypes, me being a woman, um, but enough, I, you know, on my own podcast, I had just done a three-part series about the definition of a woman or identifying as a woman um, because my personality does not align with being soft and motherly and caring. I'm a very aggressive, very forthcoming mm -hmm confrontational person. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's very opposite from what people expect of a woman. And it's, you know, causes a lot of stress and anxiety for me because I just feel like, why can't people allow me to be myself? And so it's those type of things of, um, again, allyship of just understanding, like we said, being aware of your own personal biases, the stereotypes, maybe some existing belief systems that you're not even aware of, but you're projecting your own experience onto those others around you. Um, even the differences of values, right? Some people value things that are different than you. And so you may be judging them because you have an own mm. expectation of yourself, uh, but you're not allowing them to have that space to be them full, the, their full selves. So it's that whole sense of self-awareness for yourself to hold that space, to be emotionally intelligent, in tune with yourself, um, to allow others to just comfortably be in your presence rather than feel like they have to meet your expectations or be someone that they're not. Otherwise, you know, they would get negative feedback from you. Got it. And um, and you touch on, on a whole lot of different things. And, uh, you know, I want to be careful about going down the rabbit hole, mm -hmm. each one of them. Uh, but I wonder, you know, from um, from your perspective, you know, what, what kind of behaviors, and I'm talking, and again, a lot of people that listen to this, to put you in perspective, they are young professionals or mm -hmm. mid-career professionals, so think like five years plus, mm -hmm. and a lot of them working in an office environment, and uh, and again, we have people from all over, you know, from the US, from Spain, from Argentina, from Mexico, you know, so you mentioned knowing your own biases. Um, how do you go, in your opinion, how do you go about finding that out? Uh, again, it's hard to look in the mirror and actually like call out, you know, like uh, what am I missing or what am I overlooking, so how, do you think people can actually look at their own biases? Yeah. So for me, um, and, and that's a great point. I, again, had heard about stereotypes and biases or even beliefs. Um, and I was actually challenged by, you know, my mentor uh, who had said, you know, like, well, what, what are your values? And it's something that we're like, oh, yeah, like I value family, you know, fame, money, wealth. Like, and it's just kind of something very um, ambiguous 
But if I were to ask you, like, Ugo, what are your values? Like, give me, you know, three to four, like, just one word values. It's almost like a, uh, well. <laughs> um, yeah. So funny enough, of course, I just, I had started personally Googling, like, values. What's the list of values to even start from? And then kind of doing that deep dive of a self-discovery of what are, what are things that I genuinely value um, and not being judgmental even of myself. So it came, you know, to the, I want to say to the forefront that I value acknowledgement, you know, feeling important, being recognized and seen because I feel so much of my life I hadn't gotten that. And so anytime people don't give me credit or recognition, I realize I get very defensive about it. And so even that simple acknowledgement within my own self-reflection, and that's why, you know, earlier I had mentioned just that simple self-awareness started to lead to, I have biases for, you know, people that give me credit versus people that don't. Um, I have bias for people who advocate for themselves versus those who don't. And I feel like my own belief system is those that don't advocate for themselves obviously just don't want it enough or they're not, you know, willing to do what it takes. Um, and so the more that I kind of step back and say, wait, Brian, not everyone's like you, right? Not everyone's as aggressive. Not everyone's um, extroverted. Not everyone's willing to speak up or, or again, be confrontational. I have no problem, you know, just kind of saying like, hey, I disagree, um, even with my own bosses and people like freak out sometimes like, oh my God, how can you disagree with your boss? Well, the A, B, and C, this is, <laughs> this is why I think that's wrong. Um, so again, I, I say a lot of times is acknowledging and taking the time to be self-aware and, um, build that own emotional intelligence within yourself really starts kind of painting the picture because then you realize what you are and what you're not and the things that you are versus the things that you're not. There are other people that are opposite. Maybe there's some people that are three quarters, you know, maybe the, some people that are just a quarter of what you're like. Um, and so kind of understanding the bigger spectrum and then kind of acknowledging what those differentiators are really kind of put in perspective. Oh, these are the things I'm, you know, not privy to that I need to be aware of or that I need to slow down and be considerate of. Thank you for, for that input. I actually... Funny enough, you were talking about values and those one were values. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually did this uh, assessment uh, that uh, one of my friends, uh, my friend Peter, he actually coded it up. And it's essentially a list of the 50 uh, more okay. common values. You know, so things like uh, learning, uh, family, relationships, health, and all mm -hmm. those things. And essentially, think almost like a Kanban board. Uh, mm -hmm. I know you're you're into agile, right? So anything Kaizen, you love that stuff. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so and essentially, those are the fifty. But then you need to pick your top ten, and then you need to move them forward. Mm -hmm. And then you need to move it to your top five. Yep. And you can only like pick five. Yeah. Uh, and in my case, my five are learning, kindness, convenience, passion, and freedom. Love those it. are the things that I that I value the most, uh, and those are like the one-word values that, that I have. And uh -huh. funny enough, like uh, things like wealth are not there, right? Or things like health either, mm -hmm. you know. So then, after I did this assessment, you know, I took uh, essentially I did a mini retreat. You know, I did uh, I I live in California, right? So I actually I over a long weekend uh, I went to the beach and stuff, and I was thinking about. Okay, so what does this mean anyway? And I <laughs> yeah. realized that that this explains a lot of things, you know, because um, I do all uh, all these things like I, I work long hours mm -hmm. and uh, and sometimes like uh, Ugo, there's a project in Europe and we need you to fly to Malta in two weeks and do mm -hmm. ten sessions for customers. I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, because I don't 
you know, again, like, I don't prioritize my, my health as much as I probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, or things like wealth, right? Uh, uh, I'll tell you a story. I was at this uh, uh, conference at work, this sales conference. And uh, yeah, again, people are going around this cocktail hour asking, you know, just having a nice, some nice conversations. And somebody mm-hmm. asked me that, uh, hey, so what are you into right now? And I mentioned that I'm really into podcasting. And I mentioned that Latinos who tech. And the very next question that this person asked me was, uh, oh, how do you make money with that? <laughs> yeah. So, so I clearly know what they value. Right. Uh, and hey, they're in sales, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, they're curious about, you know, how do you make this sustainable? Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, so funny enough, you know, so I'll, I'll actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and put the assessment on the show notes so people can uh, have fun doing it and yeah, uh, sure. maybe find out about their values and maybe their blind spots. Uh, yeah, cause in, in, this, in this case, my, my blind spots are, you know, those things that I'm not looking at, you know, so things like my health or maybe another one of your values that maybe that we don't share, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. And funny enough, I did a similar assessment. And so, um, like I said, I kind of just started. And to your point, I kind of just started from the list and I would check off things that like, oh, this, you know, seems like really important to me. or I find myself doing more of these. Um, So I also picked about like 10 to 15. Then, like I said, I narrowed them down to five. So my five are Mm -hmm. growth, um, which also, uh, I guess, encompasses like learning, adventure and habits. Um, Mm -hmm. Authenticity is huge for me. Uh, And even just to put a name to it, like meant a lot. Uh, resilience that includes like strength and toughness. Uh, servant leadership is a huge one for me, and that encompasses impact, compassion, meaningful work. And then my last one is acknowledgement. And even in that encompass, like kind of recognition, achievement, fame, influence, respect, success, and wealth. And so, like we were saying right away, I think wealth, but it's more so. It's not even about having the money or you know the money to do things. It's more of the acknowledgement to say like I'm at a certain level or, you know, to acknowledge the work that I've done. So again, like you're saying, kind of the more you narrow it down and really get to the root of it, it's like, oh, it's not really like having the money part. It's more about the recognition you receive, you know, because you have the money or because you are invited places or, you know, I mean, it's, it's that kind of um, So do you like result. holding the trophy? Do you like that? It's not more of the trophy. It's more of the acknowledgement of the work, right? So that's why I get okay. like the, the servant leadership, right? The impact, the meaningful work getting the recognition of kind of that legacy, like, because you did this, this is that result of it. Um, so a, and a trophy is kind of like the outward facing. It's much more for me, like, hey, these are the lives you impacted, or because you did this work, this is what this equals. Got it. Got mm-hmm. it. So as an aspiring ally, um, I, need, I, need, I need to ask you, uh, you know, again, so you mentioned, you know, what an ally is, the behaviors, the qualities you're looking for. But maybe, uh, do you have like any stories or like uh, examples of people that were allies to you, uh, like uh, how they help you? And uh, and again, I want to give the two or three people that listen to this <laughs> an idea of, uh, oh, maybe I should do that. Yeah, um, I think it's a really good point, especially to your point, to give examples. Um, for me, I'll say I, I didn't have as many as I would like. Um, I do think a consistent behavior or effort that I've seen that helped is, um, you know, what everyone needs. And we talk about it, especially again through SHIP of, you know, needing a mentor, a sponsor and an advocate. Um, So I would openly, you know, readily seek out anyone who is willing to give advice, willing to sit with me, especially, um, you know, women of leadership or people of color in higher leadership. 
uh, because I felt again, like I'm an anomaly, you're an anomaly. Like I can talk to you about things more openly. Um, and again, I'm not afraid. Like I said, I'm, I don't mind being confrontational. I'm very in touch with my feelings. Um, mm-hmm. and I wear my heart on my sleeve. So me knowing that about myself, I always went in just very vulnerable, authentic and honest. Uh, and that has always served me really well. Um, granted, I kind of catch people off guard sometimes because they don't expect me to be so forthcoming. Mm. Uh, but I would say, again, is I, I've been very grateful um, and quite frankly, again, just kind of blessed and, and uh, honored enough to have people that have served as mentors, sponsors and advocates. Um, you know, one in particular was a director of engineering and he kind of took a chance on me when I was an intern um, at this international aerospace company. And he was a higher, again, director of engineering, a white male uh, but he just really saw a lot in me. And so I would say like, hey, I, I know I'm really eager. I'm, you know, I want to change things. And it's really hard for me to be patient. <laughs> so um, just having those type of conversations where I feel like my boss doesn't understand me or I just need some type of, you know, project to really make me, to challenge me, to make me feel like I'm growing. Um, and so he would help me kind of maneuver through ways and I would go through him with my list of tasks and say, you know, this is boring. This is boring. This is boring. Um, I like more of this kind of stuff. Um, and so just putting forth kind of this is what I'm interested in. This is what I want to learn ended up um, helping me oversee a $500,000 3D printer. And it was the first in the entire um, company. Uh, all the others, we were the first pilot for all the other locations. And um, so I was 3D printing, you know, jigs and fixtures and uh, assembly jigs and tools and so it was really cool because then I essentially became Inspector Gadget on top of being a tooling <laughs> engineer at the time. And so it's those type of things where, again, just sitting down and having someone there to listen, to understand, to hear me out helped me kind of create this unofficial role or responsibility that I was really interested in. Um, and so it's that, those type of things where, again, just kind of seeking that out, one, again, as a woman or an ally to kind of be that for someone. Um, and additionally, again, just I, I know I talked about it earlier, but the listening part um, much more is actually having an effort to seek to understand. It's one thing to hear someone out, but it's another to really put forth effort to say, like, I really want to understand why it is that you feel this way or what's happening. Um, a lot of women experience kind of these microaggressions um, of, you know, it's not really what someone said, it's how they said it. Or Can you give me a couple you know, of examples? Yeah. So one, um, I would be in meetings and I take notes like nobody's business <laughs> because I have a really mm. bad memory. Um, and so it would t- happen time and time again where people were like, Brand, do you mind taking notes? Um, and it's that type of thing where, yeah, sure, I don't mind. Um, but n- never would anyone else offer to take notes, nor would anyone ever notice and say like, hey, why is it that Brian always takes notes? Um, you know, so it's a very kind of secretary um, expectation or task. Mm. And it was something, again, that for me, I would say like, you know, in all my team meetings, like I was a leader. I'm the one that wrote, you know, led all the um, agendas, the team meetings. I mean, that, that was something I was always used to, again, because of my experience as a leader, because of, you know, even just my personality, I'm a very go-getter. Mm-hmm. And yet in industry, if I wasn't careful, I would kind of be tasked as the action item taker or the note taker. Um, or even sometimes men wouldn't shake my hand. They would go around the room and shake everyone else's hand except for mine. Um, yeah. And so again, it's, it's not something outright, they weren't being ugly or mean. Um, but it was something that, you know, I picked up on, um, very frequently. Um, again, it it was just kind of this difference of how they would act around me versus everyone else in the room. Got it. And, um, I feel really grateful for the fact that, you know, you called those out. Um, and also because, uh, you know, again, I work at these huge 
corporation, you know, in Silicon Valley, and uh, they're actually they actually have these uh, training as part of you know everybody's things that you need to learn and part of our culture, you know, is this idea of uh, so we don't call them microaggressions, we call them micro inequities mm-hmm. because uh, again, there's not necessarily any built-in intent to hurt right. people. Uh, the consequence is the same, right? You hurt people. Right. But uh, it comes down to equity, right? So it comes down to, do I make those people around me feel included? Yes. And uh, and personally, you know, I, I, I had to, and, and again, you know, again, I'm a freshly new hire, I'm like two months in the job. And I realized that, hey, again, if I notice that somebody in my team, you know, if I notice that somebody in my team would, uh, again, it's somebody that I was an intern with before, somebody that I know from a previous rotation or a previous gig, uh, I would greet them very warmly. And then whoever's next to them, like, oh, hi, uh, nice to meet you. Hey, Paul, how are you? Mm-hmm. So, so again, you're like very happy to see them. And that's fine. They're your friend, right? right. Uh, but again, how do you think the other person feels? Exactly. Uh, or even and another micro inequity that I, I, it really stuck with me because the instructor, uh, he was, uh, um, you mentioned listening, right? So giving somebody your full attention. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very auditory person. So even like sometimes I, I put my, my, my gaze down and it's not that I'm not listening to you. It's just that I'm concentrating more on what you right. have to hear. Uh, it's kind of like when you're looking for parking and you mm-hmm. turn the volume of the radio down. down. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or I don't know who listens to the radio anymore. You turn the volume of your Spotify down. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So for me, is that. So being aware of those things or letting people know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, at the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned to you that, hey, Brianne, by the way, I'm going to take notes. So if you see me like looking down, is I'm still listening to you, right? Like, it's right. not like I'm, it's not, I'm not texting my girlfriend like, hey, do you want sushi <laughs> or do you want the pasta for dinner? Like, no. Yeah. So, so it's just like letting people know, like, uh, just, I guess, finding out your empathy muscle and exercising it. Yeah. And I will say again, like, it's good that there are obviously, I feel like the tech industry and even the up and coming, more um, conscious companies are aware. Um, But my experience in manufacturing, and again, I pray that this doesn't happen. But it wasn't even again, microaggressions or micro, you know, Mm -hmm. um, inequities, it was people downright being ugly, disrespectful, like rude. Um, you know, people I was traveling with, you know, two coworkers and both were Latinos. Um, so there may have been this kind of machismo thing happening, but, you know, I was flying to France for an emergency um, support kind of a task we had. And both of them continued to make jokes of, oh, we're glad you're here to make our sandwiches. Um, I'm wow. the only one with an engineering degree. Um, they mm. were both like business marketing guys. Um, so, again, I had the technical knowledge. Um, I was the one that, again, was representing us from a technical standpoint of anything. Um, and then continued to continue to make, you know, this very, um, I want to say like, you know, like sexual innuendos. Uh, I'm very open about my own experience. I feel, you know, like there are certain things that trigger me that I'm sensitive to. I'm very open about my past of being, you know, sexually abused and, you know, having been date raped in college. And so it's something that I just, I, for me, again, people that I trust and these guys were, you know, coworkers I considered friends um, to then me going and, you know, helping get our, mecha- or drive our mechanics to uh, find cigarettes. 
well, the you know trip took a little longer than expected. Who knew you couldn't buy cigarettes at corner stores in France? <laughs> and mm. um, so, you know, 30 minutes later, a group text um, between us and then our friend from Brazil was like, oh, what, what's taking so long? Is Brianne getting tossed around? Um, and so it's those type of things where, again, never, ever would that ever be appropriate to say, um, much less, again, for a coworker or, again, in a professional setting among coworkers. So it's those type of things where, you know, I, I want to make sure that we're very aware that there are people that are doing it to be malice and like they need to be, you know, addressed to be brought up. I feel like a lot of women would freeze, you know, granted, like I, I've been there where I like don't even know what to say or we laugh it off because we get so nervous. Um, but it's something like that where, you know, I just it's too real that so many people do that, especially, again, in the manufacturing world where I feel, you know, it's very rare to see a woman, much less a woman of color, much less a woman of color, you know, with an engineering degree that like knows her stuff. So it's those type of things, too, of I think there is people that do it, you know, without malintention. Uh, but there are also people that are doing it to get a reaction out of you. What was the resolution of that? Did you bring it up? Did the Yeah, I mean, um, I'm grateful that my boss was really great. Um, our kind of supervisor oversaw us. Um, you know, I, I talked to him about it. He ended up, you know, bringing it up to HR. They kind of, you know, took documentation of it. They quote unquote had a talking with these gentlemen, uh, but there was never any kind of, um, I want to say like, they weren't reprimanded. They were just said like, Hey, that's not cool. Obviously you can't talk to, you know, your, or your coworker that way. And it was just kind of let go. Um, funny enough, I even, you know, was interviewed about this on Buzzfeed and, you know, a lot of people are commenting on the mm -hmm. YouTube videos about it of like, this is disgusting. And I hope she reported them. And that's kind of the real, you know, realization we're even seeing this now play on the courts, right. Of people are going forward and saying, Hey, they had inappropriate, um, you know, conversations or they had inappropriate actions with me. And it's just kind of like, well, the majority of times, um, you, you don't get the reaction or the justice that we wish would happen. Um, but it, to me, again, it doesn't devalidate me standing up for myself. The fact that I said something, the fact that mm -hmm. they were even just talked to, like, I'm not going to let the stuff like that slide. Got it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say. No, and that's okay. Um, and I, get, I think this is the type of conversation of that's another part of being an ally, right? Of, of simply just learning listening. to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because mm -hmm. it is hard, right? For, for someone to say that, um, obviously I called my fiance, my boyfriend at the time. Um, and like, he was so upset, like, you know, like, I just want to go beat the crap out of these guys, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but the reality is that's, that's not how this works. Um, and so it's that type of thing of just having these conversations and it's really sad that a, a lot of times women feel like, what if that was your sister or your wife or your mom? Um, you know, and it shouldn't have to be someone that they know. Like, we should just respect each other as humans, like, regardless. Uh, and that's the type of stuff where I feel like, again, being an ally is realizing that, yes, sometimes, you know, things get out of hand or people are oversensitive. But also there's another side of a lot of stuff that, you know, it may have just been the straw on the camel's back because a woman or a person or LGBTQ or a person of color, like any, you know, marginalized type of person has been feeling a certain type of way. And it's this one small thing that someone said or didn't say that, you know, just really kind of just undid them. And so it's those type of things of understanding. It's these kind of small buildups where, again, it doesn't have to be something outright lavish or crazy, um, but these small things do build up and it really weighs on us. Definitely. And um, I had a conversation, uh, and again, about the, that buildup of mm -hmm. those uh, things that, again, your boss says it once, okay, let it slide. But mm -hmm. then it's every week, and then it's every other day, and then it's every day. 
Yeah. And uh, and I have a friend that, that happens to to work for. Uh, Let's just say that in California, we call it a large fruit company that happens to make phones and computers. And uh, his manager kept saying, hey, remember, the product comes first. And uh, and again, you know, sometimes you have uh, to be on call till one in the morning because you support customers in the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. And until one day he said, uh, hey, you know what? No, I come first. Yeah. And now that's his go-to thing. And I'm like, dude, like if you have to be that passive aggressive at work, like I don't know if any any product or company is worth my mental health like that. Right. Uh, but but again, as you mentioned, you know, I'm a friend, so I listen and I again, mm-hmm. I find that and again part of not being an ally only, but like being a friend is that you know meeting emotion with logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, when somebody's uh, venting or telling me something frustrating that they're going through. You know, it's like I need to like modulate and uh, think, wait, does this person want me to listen right now or do they want me to help them with a solution? Yeah. And more often than not, you know, because I'm, uh, you know, again, because we are engineers, right? So our job <laughs> yeah. is to look for solutions to problems. I find mm-hmm. that we need to like, uh, again, just like bite our tongues and just like hold on that. Like, no, 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 <laughs> not solving right now. Just listen. Just yep. listen. Just wait. Just wait. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 again, you know, it's a uh, active listening. It's a it's a gift. You know, I think uh, everybody should practice it more. And uh, there's nothing. This I did this exercise at um, at uh, this workshop that we did a workshop on mindfulness a mm-hmm. couple weeks back, and uh, we did this exercise when somebody again we pair up, and one of us was supposed to talk for ten minutes straight. And the other person was supposed to only listen mm-hmm. and you couldn't make any noises or say any words. And you could only like acknowledge with your eyes or body language or things like that. Uh-huh. And, uh, oh my gosh, that was so, so intense. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when that, when that bell went off, that you know, it was the turn for the other person. It was like, a <sighs> like, like yeah. all the weights of your show. <laughs> so, yeah. so again, uh, you know, there's all kinds of, ex- of exercises you can try. But uh, yeah, no, but there's nothing like being hurt and ultimately, you know, feeling included. Yeah. And it is a skill, like you're saying, you know, and you had mentioned like it's almost like a gift, right, for people that can do that um, so readily or so freely. But it is, again, like something you said, you have to practice. Uh, if you're not used to listening, again, and paying attention, if we're always used to thinking of our own responses. I never really get to hear your point. Or again, I'm, I'm not really thinking or um, processing like you said, what you're saying, especially as engineers, we kind of say like, "Ooh, I know that piece and I can plug it in here. Or, "Ooh, that made me think of this story. And like, I, I can add to that, you know? So right. uh, like you said, especially the thinkers or the people that get excited um, for myself, even I would catch myself when people are thinking of a word and they're thinking, Oh, what's that word? And I want to start helping. And that was something like you said, I would start take a breath, Fran, slow down, like let them finish um, rather than jump in and try to help or, um, you know, support them or put put in my own what I think they're trying to say, really just give them the time, the space, like slow down, you're in no rush, um, really just allow them to think if what they're going to tell you is important. Um, and if it's not, then you just let them talk anyway. And so like, to your point, like being an active listener takes a huge um, patience within yourself. But then even also, again, to coming from a place to understand and listen, like you said, whether or not they're venting or if they actually want a solution, you know, allow them to say that because again, a lot of times people just want to be heard. 
Um, you know, I don't know if you know the Dale Carnegie, like how to make friends and, you know, influence people, but that's <laughs> yep, the biggest it's, thing. It's right here. It's right here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Same. I have it on my shelf too. Is that's the number one thing everyone wants is just to feel important. And a big part of that is just to be acknowledged, again, to be seen, to be heard. Um, and again, we, we don't give each other that time or space anymore. We're in such a rush all the time. It's all I can like or comment uh, or send a quick chat rather than like have this face-to-face interaction. And again, that's a big part of what's missing. No, I, I agree 100%. And uh, and something that I, I really enjoy from, from where I work is the this idea of the one-on-one conversation uh, mm-hmm. that you can pick anybody in the whole company, you can pick the CEO, and you can have a one-on-one with them. And you can, anybody will slice the, the 20, 30 minutes, one hour of their calendar uh, to, to chat. You know, learn about what you're working on, what your challenges are. Uh, you can make it as formal or as informal as you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, you know, I've had uh, one-on-ones with VPs. And, and again, you know, you want to make sure that like, you're providing value in some way. Right. Uh, and I find that, you know, for like millennials, like, you know, sometimes my value is the fact that I look at things in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they have questions like, uh, hey, why do you guys do everything with your phone? Uh, nowadays, you know, it's like, uh, uh, so, you know, anyhow, but, uh, but I feel that um, having that structure of those 30 minutes that, okay, we're not looking at the phone, we're not looking at the computer, we're just chatting, uh, right. getting to know each other. Uh, I find that that makes a difference, you know, so for anybody in, in my team, I make sure that I have a check-in with them. And again, it's not about, hey, how's the project going? Like, no, 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 no. It's about, actually like getting to know you as a person. Mm -hmm. Uh, So something that we have built in is that we have lunch uh, together like three or four times a week uh, as a team. Mm -hmm. And uh, and again, again, sometimes we talk work stuff. Sometimes we talk about the weekend. Sometimes we talk about, um, again, uh, what Trump is doing in the White House. Sometimes we talk (laughs) about uh, technology, like what have you, right? But Mm -hmm. having those informal conversations uh, makes me feel like I know my team better. Oh, yeah. And I think that's really um, important, again, for you to take an interest in their whole self, like you said, rather than just the project or just what's going on with this or the things you, you know, again, 100% agree on to get a better range um, and them to feel comfortable enough, like, oh, I'm not being judged or, oh, I can be my full self regardless of where we're at. Um, or even that, like to have a break during lunch, you know, to kind of have a mental, okay, you can stop thinking about work for a second and, you know, just really enjoy being a human and making friends again. Uh, I think that's really important. So that's great to hear that you have that culture and you're kind of cultivating that at work. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super grateful. I mean, I think that one of the things that keeps me at that company is my is my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, it's <laughs> it's uh, and ultimately it's the people that you work with every day. You yeah. know, it's that I I read somewhere this is statistic that the most frequent reason for somebody leaving their job mm-hmm. is not a, the pay, it's not the money. Mm-hmm. It's actually a, a co-worker or a manager being rude to them. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard the you same know, thing. Of people, people don't quit jobs. People quit people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's true. I mean, that's true. Ultimately, like, uh, yeah, like I'm not going to leave uh, my company for an, another job that's, you know, like 10K, 20K more uh, if I feel that the culture is not a good fit. Right. Uh, you know, again, if I go to a company that I'm the only Latino, Hispanic, what have you, uh, yeah, I'm going to be pretty lonely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I want to move on to practical advice because uh, I think that 
you know, the, again, from those two, three people that listen to this, uh, probably two of them happen to be men. <laughs> so imagine that you have a, a, a younger mentee uh, happens to be male and you want to give them some advice again. And they ask, you, you know, hey, hey, okay, Brianne, what can I do to make the women in my team feel more heard, more included, more respected? Uh, so they feel that they're an integral part of my team. What can I do every day, every week? You know, what, uh, what do you think I should do? Yeah, um, I would say, again, obviously, we we're talking about kind of the listening, like you said, kind of stretch that empathy um, muscle. Uh, again, be self-aware, right? Doing that inner work is, is a huge one. Uh, but then again, kind of that back to the seek to understand part, the very practical part is very um, simply just don't try to be a knight in shining armor, right? So again, if you see that, um, maybe have a, a conversation one-on-one -on -one with the woman to better understand, or again, LGBTQ or person of color, um, whatever it is that you feel like this person, um, again, is either marginalized or being, you know, walked over or whatever it is. Um, and just say like, Hey, I'd noticed this, um, you know, and let me know if I'm making this up, but it was something that was brought to my attention. I feel like, you know, X, Y, and Z, or, you know, someone had mentioned something and I felt uncomfortable for you. Is that something that, you know, like you want to talk about or does this happen often? Again, just acknowledging someone and um, sharing like your own experiences of what you're thinking or saying is sometimes, especially as me, my, again, personally, I would say like, man, am I making this up? Like, you know, people are telling me I'm too direct. Uh, people are telling me I'm too aggressive or I'm bossy. And it wasn't until like another coworker of mine was like, hey, um, I noticed like so-and-so, you know, your boss seems a little impatient with you. Like, are you getting that vibe too? Or is it just, you know, is it just me? I'm like, I'm really glad you said something because I thought I was going crazy. Like, you know, I wasn't trying to make up a story. Um, and for me personally, I never want to be a victim of that. But, you know, if someone else notices it, it helps me say like, okay, no, there is something here. Right. So even right. just bring that to the forefront. So that's something, again, one of just sharing from them, not saying like, hey, you're, you're over talking her. Right. Because then you take that power from her or again, that person to stand up for themselves. Um, another one is obviously mansplaining. Um, and I know it's there's different ways about it. And again, like you're talking about earlier, I know there's good intention there, but a lot of times I would say something and even my fiance, again, like we're both serving in, you know, ship roles. We were both volunteers before I was working full time and I would have, you know, this really great idea or feedback from other people. And I would mention it and it kind of like would fall on deaf ears. And so then he would bring it back around, you know, two minutes later to be like, oh, Brianne had a really great point. He wouldn't say Brianne had a really great point. He would say, like, reiterate what I had said. And everyone was like, mm -hmm. oh, this is just so great. And afterward, like, it became very frustrating to me because I would say, did you realize all you did was reiterate what I said? And he was like, yeah, but like, you know, no one picked up on it. And I thought it was a really great idea. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't give me credit either. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's that type of thing of even though you may be trying to do something again well or make sure that that idea is heard is really um, kind of narrowing down on making sure you give credit to where it's due. Um, and if someone is, you know, trying to talk and she gets talked over or you see someone that maybe is even more introverted and it could be again, you know, man on man and someone's just not as aggressive as someone else and saying, no, I thought so-and-so had something to say, like, can we hear him out? Um, again, making kind of space for everyone to talk at the table. Um, another thing that I've actually been trained on to be a facilitator is you do have these powerful voices that they always have opinions or they're always willing to speak up. And there's always usually someone that's more quieter or they take more time to think out what they want to say or their input. And so when you kind of notice around the room, hey, you know, David, you haven't said anything today. Is, is there anything you'd like to say or bring to the table? Um, and kind of one, I, I'm going to say being careful that, you know, you don't put people on the spot that they're like all, you know, embarrassed or nervous 
Um, but kind of making sure that you're being, like you said, very inclusive, making forth that effort. Um, and then, well, the, the kind of third practical is just make sure that you educate yourself, right? If, if you're aware that, again, there's not many women in your field or it is a male-dominated field or you notice that there's not, um, you know, any type of resources or education or these type of trainings you're mentioning, um, you know, there's articles all over the place. Like just, you know, do a couple of research. You know, my thing is at least do some type of learning or education one hour a day. And it's been mind boggling just to, like I said, listen to a podcast or, um, you know, just, just look up articles, right? Even Google now just sends me all kinds of random stuff like saying, oh, we noticed you like learning about this kind of thing. Right. Um, and so it's those type of things of just really being cognizant, um, putting forth effort makes a huge difference because then you're kind of expanding your self-awareness, your life experience outside of just what you know and considering other options. That That's all great. And uh, I would actually challenge people to, if they are considering having a mentee or a mentor, uh, actually trying to seek out uh, one that happens to be, uh, again, you know, the opposite gender from them or somebody mm -hmm. that uh, happens to be, uh, and again, when you, when you pick a mentor, you want to pick somebody that has a, you know, some skin in the game, right? Uh, somebody that uh, has the job you want to have in 10 years. Uh, somebody that went through some similar struggles that you did. Uh, but I would actually encourage people to, hey, why not try to actually look for a mentor that, again, happens to be a woman or happens to be a man uh, or a mentee. Because I find that um, when you want to practice those conversations and you want, you want to actually um, seek out though the limits of your assumptions mm -hmm. it's helpful you know to have somebody that's real right that it's not somebody that uh, from an article or from a podcast or from a youtube video um uh, there's these uh and i'll actually I'll put this in the show notes as well there's this uh, i share this article so much there's this uh mansplaining article and it's actually a mm -hmm. flow chart showing you <laughs> I, i'm sure you've seen it uh, it's mm -hmm. like i'm uh, showing you how to if it's mansplaining or not and it basically mm -hmm. comes down to, did she ask you to explain it? If she did, it's not mansplaining. It's good. Right. You're, 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 in, you're safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing. And um, over the phone is tough, particularly tough. And, um, and, and again, you know, if, if you've gotten this far in the podcast, you know, we, part of our job, it's to again hold meetings over the phone, and sometimes we can't see the people in the other end of the line. Uh, so it's tough, you know. So leveraging things like uh, uh, I am or things like that, and actually ask people, "Hey, uh, Brianne, is there anything else you wanted to mention, or is there something else that uh, do you wanted to share something on this topic?" You know, so like seeking out the quieter people. That's mm -hmm. uh, that's tough. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, I would be super frustrated too if uh, somebody took credit for one of my ideas, right? Uh, yeah, uh, probably and not. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Like you were saying, like with the mentor, um, and I would even challenge to the next point of of you saying, like, yes, get someone different, but even more so, like, have a variety, right? So you know, I mm -hmm. personally um, advise my own mentees to have like a personal board of advisors, um, your own personal board of directors. Um, and so different types of mentors for different, you know, fields for different things. You know, I have a almost like a personal life mentor and then a professional life mentor and then entrepreneurial, you know, life mentor. And so like 
there's so many different, I, I want to say as a human, again, we're so round, right? Like we're a big round character. There's so many mm-hmm. pieces and facets to us to just think like, oh, Ugo, you're going to have all the answers to everything I need in life. That's kind of silly, right? So yeah. I could give great advice on, again, being a woman engineer, but I'm maybe still just kind of getting started on being a woman CEO. I'm still getting started on, you know, um, having a relationship, right. Or I, I can give advice for what I know so far, but I've only been with my fiance for four years versus someone who's done it for 25 years, you know? So, um, acknowledging that, you know, to have different people that you tap into for different reasons. Um, there's even been people, you know, where I'll have three or four mentors for the same thing, but to have those four different perspectives of, again, people that you say that I respect their opinion, but I know that they're giving different, you know, suggestions helps me get a better gauge rather than, oh, you know, Susan said I need to do this and this is what I should do. And it's like, well, Susan said a little bit of this and Hector said a little bit of this. And, you know, Maricela had suggested, you know, altogether a totally different suggestion. So kind of having that collectiveness, you know, it takes a village. And that's why even, you know, uh, psychologists say it's important if you have two parents, you know, because they bring different perspectives as two different humans raising one individual um, so even that again, like tapping into different resources, different mindsets, um, different people of experiences to help it give that advice or to help support you. Indeed, indeed. And and I think that uh, again, if we actually and I commend you for taking an hour a day for personal development, that, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think that you know, investing that time in books and podcasts and listening to content like this is. Uh, Think of people like Brianne and you know, people that come to the show as your mentors. Uh, and again, the beauty of podcasting is that if you are an introvert or maybe you are shy about reaching out to people like you, is that, uh, hey, you don't need to deal with that because uh, I'm the one that <laughs> brings the people in. So, mm-hmm. you know, think of me as like, almost like a proxy for you. You know, like I ask the questions for you. Um, uh, and again, is there anything else I forgot to ask you that you wanted to mention? Anything else in your mind, you know, about being an ally? How can men be better allies for women in, in STEM? Yeah, um, I think, again, you, you just made a great point of, again, like introvert or if you don't know what type of questions to ask. Um, again, obviously, thank you for having me. But this is exactly the type of things and these type of conversations that I feel are really necessary of why I even created my own personal brand. Um, so, again, I almost do like microblogging on Instagram, you know, with a picture and just kind of what's going on, um, what I'm facing, like I said, my own kind of conversations that I'm having with friends, families, again, my own personal mentors. Um, and so even just creating kind of the people engineer podcast, um, you know, having a personal website, um, again, having this YouTube and Facebook just kind of posts. It, it was, it was just acknowledging that a lot of people started sharing kind of these psychom, um, kind of conversations, their expectation. Uh, I started kind of seeing this women in STEM hashtag grow and creating that online community. And so again, a lot of people that had questions but felt either too ashamed or they they weren't afraid of asking the wrong things. Um, I realized again to me, and you and I know, right, like in the DMs, like I get blown up all the time. And so yeah. again, I'm by no means Insta famous and it's not, you know, what I'm, you know, what I'm shooting for, uh, but it's just a type of safe space to have these conversations. You know, like I'll never right. be one to condemn anyone or say like, how dare you ask that? Um, it, I just want people to feel safe um, to ask those questions. You know, for me personally, I'm, I'm really passionate about kind of the life career and growth because I feel like as a whole person, you know, no one really gives us like a handbook of life, right? How to be an adult, how to, <laughs> you know, be successful, how to make decisions how to even deal with our emotions. 
Um, and so kind of, again, being that whole person is, is a, you know, very important. And I obviously love what you're doing with the podcast and all the great oh, people you. that you've interviewed. Um, so again, I just think it's having that story of, again, being an ally, simply supporting one another. Um, again, if you have insecurities or you have your own projections, like really just kind of dealing with what you're doing first and foremost. Um, obviously, you and I both are here for those conversations, for that type of community. Uh, but again, I just feel like it's something that we shouldn't be afraid of. Um, I know that there's very such polar, um, I want to say opposites and oppositions happening in our world today. And um, to, to my point, again, if you're coming from a place of good hearted intention, you make your um, wants and needs known of, hey, I want to learn more. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. But again, like you're, you were mentioning earlier, just be very conscious of how, when and why you're asking. Um, people obviously are, are wanting to come from a good place. We want to learn and support each other. Um, but again, just just be conscious of what you're doing, how you're doing it. Um, and again, just just come from a place of love. Right. If you are very, um, I want to say, kind, um, coming from a place of, of love and, and wanting to be understood as well as understanding others. I don't really think there's um, any place you could go wrong. You know, maybe you could say something wrong or ask something different um, in a different way. Uh, but again, if you just come from a place of I want to understand, I want to be better. You know, we're all growing. We're, we're all we've all made mistakes. So that kind of place of vulnerability and authenticity goes a long way. That's awesome. And now we know where you are, the people engineer. <laughs> yes, the people engineer. Yep. That's awesome. So yeah, we'll link to your show on the, on the show notes or just check it out at uh, your website, all the thing, all the good stuff. Um, I know that you're putting out some great content out there. So I definitely want people to you know, find out more about it and who you are and why you do the great things you do. Thank you. Likewise, I very much appreciate it. This effort has been wonderful to follow and participate in. So I really appreciate all the great things you're doing. My pleasure. Mm -hmm. So thanks for coming to the show. Absolutely. Thank you. Mm -hmm.